Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, there you are. There we are. There everybody are. Thank you for tuning in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. You know that. I know that. Everybody knows that. I'm here with Michelle Perry, who you are going to see how all of this very moment uh, wonderfully, dare I say, excitedly came to be. First of all, what's going on, Michelle? How are you? It is a great day. I am so excited to be here and to chat. It's going to be a great conversation. I can already feel that. Before we get into our, what feels like um, a long stretch of time, we haven't really been connected for a very long amount of time, but we've been connected on multiple really cool ways. So before we get into that, um, you were mentioning that you just had a birthday yesterday, so happy belated, as they say. Darn you, Facebook, why didn't you alert me? Um, thank you. I celebrate the whole month, so you're perfectly in line, so it's great, <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> that's, I, I'm, I'm glad you do. Um, and now you are, you are back from your birthday, and you said that this was one of the first things you are doing. How was the celebration? This is the first thing I'm doing because it's that special. And my birthday was amazing. It was the perfect day. And I'm just so grateful for another ride around the sun. I'm excited to see what it brings. And we, and we compared notes and we realized that we are the exact same age, not just, um, I mean, yeah, the, the exact same age by nine days to, to the day, not even like one year, one year, like the same year. How amazing is that? And I, I said, I knew I liked you for a reason. I just couldn't tell what it was. And now I know all of the pieces came together. That's why you're so awesome and why I'm so awesome. And we are epic together. Oh, well, <laughs> well thank you for um, acknowledging that. So I want to give um, people just a, a quick backstory on how all this came to be because there's, there's really something amazing about you that I'm excited to bring to the table. So um, I'm, I'm guessing that we originally, even before the PodMax five-day practice being interview challenge, which you were a part of, how that even came to be, I'm guessing that you saw and heard that from Sarah Penner's group. I did. Yep. I was, yeah. And I was a new participant in that group and you and Eric went live and I watched 
the entire thing. <laughs> oh, okay. So um, this is relevant to the entrepreneur out there because it all ties together with um, clarity of your message and execution on your message and activating your audience that we uh, preach and promote and getting the right people uh, to to listen and to hear and to see what you're talking about, attract to that, and then step up for more, which is what Michelle did. So um, I came, first, by being so darn clear with what my message is and what I'm going for and who could benefit from that, we did all that groundwork. And then I happen to be part of Sarah Penner's group, which is a Facebook group for podcast hosts and guests to match and network and do good things together. Um, I am part of that group. And through the pod max angle of everything I do, I realized that, you know what, there's probably something for a collaboration between PodMax, the brand, and what Sarah is doing, because the members of this group on both sides, the hosts and the guests, could really stand to benefit from what we teach and what we offer. So I reached oh, yeah. out to her, right? And I said, hey, this is who I am. This is what we do. I'm, I'm part of your group. So I've already done the legwork to know how I can add value to what she's bringing. And I said, let's talk. Maybe there's something here. And she did her due diligence and looked and said, yeah, I, I really like what you do. What could we do? We got on a call together. The easy thing was, why don't you come in our group and give a training? So we did. And you saw that training. And then from there, we we're able to parlay that into, if you like this, the next thing we have for you is a free five-day challenge where you practice being interviewed on the mic. So you remember that, Michelle. You said that we came in, did the training, and you watched it. So step one was a success for all involved. You were attracted to it. It made sense. It resonated. Absolutely. The energy, the information was valuable. I didn't feel like you were sort of selling me anything, which always feels a little like slimy to me certain sales tactics are necessary in business period, but you can deliver it in such a way that it doesn't feel icky or slimy. And that came across. I loved your personality. I loved Eric's personality, the way you guys interacted together. It was genuine. You could see the warmth, but more than that, I got value and I was learning while you were doing that particular training. And the question for me was, I want more. And I was so glad you had another step for me to go into, which was the, the more. So I was so happy that you had that so I could sign up. I always, thank you. I always want to bring this back to the person listening and how it makes sense for the entrepreneur looking to achieve their level of success as they define it. Um, and you said, you're so glad we had more. Um, whether it's for pay or not, eventually we have more for pay, but we offered the free training, free, um, giving the value, making it a win, win, win all around. It was a win for us. It was a win for Sarah, who's the moderator and creator of that group to bring us in and say to her group, she's the gatekeeper, right? She's saying, hey, guys, in the group here, uh, you should listen to what these people have to say. It's great. And you, Michelle, did that. And I love that you said you, you wanted more and we had more because all too often in our businesses, I feel that we will 
protect it in a way because we don't want to oversell or overdo it. And, and we're almost embarrassed and we're like, okay, that's good. Well, if they want more, they'll reach out or they know where I am. But there's something to be said about confidently coming to the table and offering the next steps, three and four steps, because it didn't just end with the challenge. So you saw the challenge and you were like, I need that. And you yeah, went through the challenge. It's sort of like a restaurant. You get the appetizer, but you know there's a meal coming and you're so grateful there's a meal coming. You don't just go to a restaurant for an appetizer. And when you're in a training and you're in a place where you're getting value and you're wanting and absorbing value, you're going to want more if the value is significant, which is why I'm so grateful that you all are the type of people that come to the table and offer, it's sort of like the, where's it, Gary Vee says, give, give, jab, you know, give, give, ask. Jab, 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 jab right hook. You've said yeah. it all. Yep. Yeah. But it's, it's give, give, ask. You know, you got to give first, show that you've got the value. The food tastes good. Now I want more. Give me more. And you've got more to offer. And that's the key. And yeah, you said free and then free and then paid. And you can sort of, you know, put it however you want to, but um, it's really important to have somewhere for people to go to get more of you. Yeah, this is such a such a valuable topic that I personally could stand to learn more from because I spent so much of my life shying away from it. I didn't want to charge. I certainly didn't want to charge too much, but that's a reflection of this. That's a reflection of what's going on on the inside, right? I didn't yeah. value myself um, enough. Uh, I certainly know now what I'm worth. And there's always room for growth. There's always room for improvement there. But we had the free training, tons of value. We then said, come into the five-day free challenge, practice being interviewed, absolutely free. And then it was, hey, if you like this, we have this, for lack of a better word, pre premium, premier experience called PodMax, where it's, it's a unique, incredible experience. I don't have to sell it here. You know, everybody knows what it is. We are confident of the value that it provides. There's a price tag on it, okay? Well, it's worth and, it. It's value. Yeah, exactly. And you saw that and you came into it. Well, actually, you won a free ticket to the event. But that's not to say that you wouldn't have paid. I would have paid, yeah. Of course. Um, but, but again, uh, just, just to tie how our, our paths continue to connect, we awarded one participant of the free five-day challenge uh, a full complimentary all-access pass to our last PodMax event. Uh, and Michelle won it for good reason. Um, and now you just continue to build the ladder, you build the value, and you build the relationship. Exactly. It's, um, it's, for me, it's about showing up and this year has been focused personally on consistency and discipline. And I made a commitment to myself in January that I would show up no matter what, no matter how I felt, no matter what it looked like, no matter what the circumstances were, I was just going to show up and pay attention to the opportunities and just keep walking. And so as I show up, I'm like, this works. This is cool. Look at all of this amazing, you know, people, opportunities, circumstances that I'm able to tap into simply because I showed up. You mentioned uh, you were able to pay attention to the opportunities. That is exactly two years ago was when I launched episode one of the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Now we're past 150 episodes. Uh, but for episode one, I came to the table. I knew that I wanted to do that 
but I didn't know specifically where it was going to lead. I knew where I wanted it to lead. Uh, but I said those very words. I said, I'm just going to keep my eyes open for opportunities. And I'm confident enough in that skill and ability of myself uh, to attract the right ones and to see the opportunities that when they cross my paths, I'll reach out and I'll take the necessary action. Exactly. And you, you keep bringing up the word confident, which I love. And it, it's ringing with a phrase that I recently was introduced to, which is confident, humil hum confident humility. And there's something to be said about being confident and yet remaining humble because you know sort of the boundaries of your confidence. And so it doesn't come across as arrogance because sometimes we, we feel like, oh, if I show up too confident, I'm going to yeah. be arrogant or misunderstood. No, when you know what you know what you know, that is confidence. And you also know what you don't know. That's the humility part because nobody knows everything. That's true. I want to talk about, you are the owner founder of um, a self-development company called Successful Diligence. Yes. LLC now, actually. We recently got our LLC, which I'm very proud of. So yay. As you should be. I like those two words, successful diligence. Uh, without giving it thought, I, I know what diligence is means. I even said earlier that people do their due diligence, but especially in this context, what is diligence? You know, it's consistent effort you know, um, is what I frame it as, you know, being diligent with the gifts you have been given in life, being diligent with the talents that you have, being diligent with your efforts and your energy to utilize them to the greatest capacity every day with every ounce of who you are. That to me is being diligent. It's being protective of what you have to offer the world and showing up and offering that. That is being diligent from my perspective. And the successful part, how did you, how and why does that word precede for the company name. You know, it's interesting. I was given the name in 2003 <laughs> and I think I was in my early twenties. I had no idea what to do with the name except for I registered the domain, registered it with an EIN number, and then completely forgot about it for like 20 years. <laughs> but it was SEO purposes. It was on the web. So it was gaining all of that, you know, backend stuff that goes on. So when you search successful diligence, you're going to see me and my company come up the first five things. And I really had no idea what it was about until about 19, 2019, 2018, where I was exploring the idea of success. What is success? What is success to me? What is it to other people? It's different for everybody. Everybody has different definitions about it. And for me, it was about utilizing the diligence of who you are to achieve those productive outcomes that equals your success, whatever that is to you. And everybody gets to define whatever success means to them, as long as it is personal and it's something that they are working towards and can attain. It's a journey. For me, success is a journey. And so through our diligent efforts, we will achieve success, which is why success comes first with successful diligence. And like you said, we have to first define success for mm -hmm. ourselves. Nothing happens. And it's, do you find that it's, it's long-term ultimate vision definitions of success and the success, what I want in six months, three months, or 12 months? You know, I think it varies. I've got a success for today. I've got a success for the week. I've got a success for the quarter 
for the year and then a, a complete successful vision for my life that I want to achieve when I'm, you know, like my grandfather turning 100 this week, you know, I want to look back and say I was successful because. So I think it's, it's, it's really however you want to slice it up and define it and what it means for you because it's very personal. Yeah. Speaking of very personal, I want to get right into the, not only the theme of the show, but really the theme of your core message, which is all about paying attention. And yes, I want you to share the story. I want you to get into, and I say this because I've, I've been with you for what, what seems like a longer amount of time, but yeah. through a, a variety of iterations of helping you um, uh, craft your message and, and being on the receiving end of hearing it and watching it evolve and expand. Um, but when we talk about paying attention, first frame it for, for the person and or the business person. What are we really talking about there? So it's really showing up <laughs> with open eyes, open minds, and open hearts, and really being aware. And sometimes people go through life on autopilot. And not like you're a zombie, you know, but it's sort of like that image of just, you know, you get up, you get your coffee, you go to work, you eat, you go to sleep. And there's more to life than that. I think that when we are not consciously, intentionally paying attention in our lives to ourselves, our bodies, our mental health, emotional, spiritual, to our actions, our behaviors, and how that impacts other people, to opportunities that arise and show up before us, to the messages that we're supposed to learn and that we will continue to encounter experiences until we learn those lessons to move on to the next one. It's all about life, really. Paying attention is living your life journey. Hmm. And now uh, tell us the story of uh, why this became such an integral part to your very existence today. Yeah, so I, and I always frame it as I was a biracial kid because I was growing up in the 80s. You know, I was born in 74, as you mentioned, where bi being biracial was not common. So I had a lot of self-esteem issues, a lot of personal worth issues, self-esteem issues. My parents divorced when I was three and my dad left my life at that point. He's African-American, my mother's white. So I grew up in an all-white Jewish community, feeling very different, but not understanding why and internalizing that difference to being something wrong with myself. And so with that backdrop, I went through my adolescence and, and my childhood alone a lot, living like a foster kid because my mom had to work a lot. Um, so I was with my grandparents and my aunt and uncles and cousins and all of that and always feeling disconnected. And I sort of became numb in life and was literally sort of on autopilot like a zombie, even as a teenager. And so I had no direction, no purpose. I was gonna marry my high school sweetheart, you know, bump out a lot of babies and be perfectly happy in the, the, uh, the area I grew up in. And all of that changed on January 2nd, 1992. And on that day, I was 17 years old. I showed up to second period English class after the New Year holiday. We were talking about really important topics with our hair products and what did we do and who did we see and where did we go, all the things. And I remember looking in the corner of the back of the room and there was a boy sitting there who I have known or had known my entire educational career. He was this weird kid. Nobody talked to, nobody paid attention to him. He was not well-liked. He wasn't disliked either. Like he wasn't beat up on, but nobody really, he just wasn't paid attention to. He was just sort of this gray matter that showed up. And I had maybe one conversation with him in our entire 
career, you know, educational career. And on this particular day, he was sitting in at his desk and there was a white styrofoam cup and he had a pencil in his hand and he was stirring whatever was in that cup and he had a smile on his face. And I had never seen him smile. I had never seen him smirk. I'd never seen any expression on his face. And he was smiling. And I remember that stuck out to me. Like, why is he smiling? Like, we're back in school. <laughs> what is he smiling about? And then I sort of just went on from that moment back to my conversation and didn't pay attention to it. And then in the next five minutes, we hear this gurgling sound. We, you know, the, the energy in the room changed. And we all looked towards the corner where the sound was coming from. And this boy was convulsing. And so someone said, oh, he's having a seizure. Oh, my goodness. And so the teacher, you know, rushed us out of the room. And as we're rushing out of the room and he's convulsing and making these sounds, I remember I noticed his gum fall out of his mouth. And it was the weirdest image. And it bothered me. I don't know why that stuck out to me. And I was the last person to leave the room. And when I looked back before I stepped out of the room, he was on the floor his body had stopped moving, the sound had stopped, it was silent in the room, and there was no life left in his body. And so when I left the room, everybody's crying, it's pandemonium, oh, he's having a seizure, I hope he's okay. And, and my, my, I was quiet inside because I knew that he had just died. And I don't even remember what happened the rest of that afternoon because I left school and I don't remember where I went. But what I do remember is that they named the gym after him and a week later, they planted a tree in his name and they brought his family in and were saying all these wonderful, nice things about him. And I became so rageful, not even angry, but rageful, not at him, but at us, because how dare we pay attention to this boy and celebrate him after he took his life when we did nothing, we paid no attention to him, gave him nothing when he was alive. And if one of us had done one action of kindness, given him one ounce of attention, he may not have made that choice. And so it took me years to process that rage all through college. And what it boiled down to was that my rage stemmed from a core value that people matter. And it is our responsibility as people walking this earth to pay attention to other people and let them know that they matter. And that is what I dedicated my life to as a child welfare clinical social worker for 20 years. And it is my mission. If I'm walking down the street, if you meet me in a grocery store, you're going to get a smile, a, hey, that's a great shirt, love your hair, something that lets you know that someone sees you. You matter, you're here, you are acknowledged as a human being on this planet and you have worth and you are here for a purpose. Why do you think people don't by default do that? Why do we default the other direction? I think out of fear and I think out of self-consciousness because a lot of us get wrapped up in our own internal world and who we are and all of our flaws and this one-dimensional focus that we see and we forget that everybody is feeling that exact same thing. And other times we're just selfish. I think as human beings, we're just selfish creatures by nature. You know, when, you, when you're a baby, you want me, 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 <laughs> you know, and that doesn't go away. Um, it takes effort. It takes intention to pay attention to other people, to incorporate others in our lives, and to take action 
it takes effort. It takes action. You have to be intentional and it's got to be something that you do on purpose. It doesn't come naturally. It's, it's so true. So interesting. Um, there is a simplicity to it that we are, we might know and acknowledge. And I think on the other side of it, it's that we know that it's so unnatural for some strange reason, to acknowledge our fellow person who we're experiencing this life with. I mean, geez, we're all just, like you said, we all have the same inherent uh, insecurities just apply to different areas of our life. No matter how successful you are, you are insecure about something. So take comfort in that. We are all the same experiencing this. So it's interesting that we default to the opposite, but I think that part of it might also be, um, yeah, I want to be that person that's going to smile or say hello to somebody passing, but I'm going to look stupid because it's not the norm. Or you feel uncomfortable because it is, sometimes it's weird. People look at me like I'm weird and right, I'm like, okay with that. Like, why, what do you want from me? Where are you going with this? With or, or are you crazy? You know, sometimes, yeah. and I've lived in New York City, so sometimes, you oh, know, people have, have mental health issues. You never know where someone's coming from, especially as a woman walking in the earth. You want to be safe. You know, you, you got to use some discretion. But there's a way to communicate with your energy that, you know, it's safe. I'm here. We're, yeah. You're safe. I'm, but also, it takes a lot of courage to live free. It takes a lot of courage to live in truth. And that's another thing that was a process for me because I was a like master of self-deception. And it wasn't until I actually became comfortable with me, flaws and all, perfectly imperfect, that I was able to give to other people because you're always going to have that sort of film of uncomfortableness, self-consciousness, it's going to feel weird. But the more you do something, the less weird it feels. And the more you do something, the more comfortable it becomes. And then it actually becomes fun because I make it a... a, a I, so I used to work in customer service and I used to be in social work. And so I get a lot of people who don't like those two job roles, right? I get, I've been cussed out. I've been, you know, a, a threatened all of the things. And what I did was I chose to make it a game. I'm going to see how long it's going to take for me to get them to either apologize because they notice how, how different they're treating me and how I'm treating them. Or I'm going to see how long it takes me to get them to smile or to feel better. And so it, that also became an intentional choice of my mission of paying attention, but being intentional to get past my own uncomfortableness by taking it off of me and making it a game, if that makes sense. It sure does. One of the stories that comes to mind in this last summer, unfortunately not this summer because my, my children are not going to day camp. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no bus. But last summer there was. And this story still warms my heart. Uh, we would stand outside waiting for the bus. And before her bus for camp came, there was another camp's bus that would always pass by. Somehow, uh, we came to always wave. I mean, right, why not? It's just those things. The bus is passing by. I'm looking at the bus driver. So it just became this almost game of like um, an energetic and deliberate wave. Uh, And and it excited us and and we would do it. And, And it would happen day after day. Several days go by, and literally, as we're doing it, the bus slows down. 
in front of us and the door opens and I'm like, yes. Uh, and the bus driver and two of the counselors are now gravitating towards the door and they literally say, we just want to know that this moment that we have every morning makes our day mm. and we love it and we look forward to it. And I was like, wow. Isn't that amazing? It's, it, it just is. And, it, and it's not something that's majorly huge. It doesn't cost money. It's not like, you know, earth shattering, the bomb went off. But something that small has such a huge impact on someone else. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. So from this, this day in 1992, and then I know it took you some years to process it, at that future date, what, what happened to really be able to connect back to it and go forward on this path you are now? In terms of connecting the story to like the core of my life? Yeah. So um, that, ha that has actually been pretty recent um, because a lot of what happens in our lives is unconscious and we walk it out without really tapping into what we're walking out, unless you're being very intentional or you're in therapy or you know, you're, you're just very conscious about it. And for a lot of times, I, for a long time, I wasn't. And 20 years of social service, giving, giving, giving to other people, I ended up burning out because I stopped paying attention to myself. And my husband was the one that brought it to my attention when he said, Michelle, you're becoming a crazy person. I didn't marry a crazy person. I'm not going to stay married to a crazy person. So we need to figure this out. <laughs> And I, you know, I took the feedback. I wasn't happy in the moment, but I, I had to do some reflection and realize that I had lost myself in the giving to other people, which is not healthy. And so I had to start to pay attention to myself again and implement self-care and pay attention to what I needed. And part of that was switching careers and helping people in a different way. And when I explored the core of who I am, what I want to do, what do I want my life to be remembered as, and how do I want to be remembered, and what impact do I want to have in this world, it always went back to that day, January 2nd, 1992, that room. It always went back to that moment. And that was when I connected it. So it really didn't connect for me until 2013 was when I switched careers. And even then, I didn't start telling the story until 2019 because I didn't have the courage because it's such a traumatic story. It can be very polarizing. Some people, after they hear the story or they hear aspects of it, there's nothing to do now with Michelle anymore. <laughs> and that's okay. You know, now it's okay. I'm okay with the fact that there's people that are supposed to be in my life and there's some people that are not. And that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, but it's really been a journey 
to be able to connect those unconscious dots and put them together in a way that I could understand and then use them for good. You have a very interesting upbringing. Like you said, you come from a biracial household and your father left at three. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that you don't really have any recollection of that age and prior, right? So all of your memories are without your father in your life, I'm guessing. What's interesting is that you would think that, right? Except that when we're born, every moment is imprinted in our brains and our memory. And so we always have memories of everything that has happened to us. And for years, I didn't understand why I did certain things. I've got a, um, a food thing where there, I don't eat certain foods. I'm very specific and sensitive about how someone approaches me face to face. I don't like to be tickled. And <laughs> Fair, <laughs> wait, noted. Okay, do no not. No tickling, Josh, no tickling. <laughs> Um, but you know, and as someone who was fascinated by human behavior, I was always like, why? And I've been in therapy and I didn't, I never really understood it until I started to hear stories from my mom, from my grandmother who would slip information to me because my mom would not talk about my father and my grandmother would sort of slip information. And so I found out, oh, he used to shove food in my mouth when I was two because I refused to eat a toddler, you know, no, I don't want it. And, but he would shove food in my mouth. Well, yeah, that's going to imprint on me as a kid and give me some issues about control, about food, and about coming at me, you know, from frontal. Wow. So I was like, oh, that makes sense. Okay. So there is some conscious memory that's there. And, you know, I don't remember consciously, but I have an uncle who's now gone. Um, but I used to lay on his chest as a, as a little girl, and it was so comforting to me. And when I got older, my mom actually released photos of my babyhood um, with my dad. I would always see me laying on his chest. And so for mm. me, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's why it was so comforting because I, that's what I got as a, as a baby, as an infant, you know? And so I'm grateful for the three years that I did have him in my life because developmentally, those are very critical years. Um, and so clearly I, I, I got love, I got comfort from him, you know, from the man. Um, and... So I don't know if that answers your question, but so I, so I, I don't have yeah. conscious memories, but I do have the unconscious memories that have produced residues that How I've been you, able to, yeah. to uh, identify. How do you help people through successful diligence literally um, pay attention? What steps do, do we take? You know, well, the first thing that I do is I ask different questions. People, it's so funny to me. You can ask a question to someone and a light bulb will go off. It'll click, that something that has never clicked for years. And it's just someone asking a question in a different way or bringing to your awareness something that you know unconsciously but have not had the language to put to it. And so that's what I do in a nutshell, basically. The way I do it is through the coaching, through the online courses, um, you know, through the podcast. And so through even just connecting with people online and Facebook and chatting, you know, you're not supposed to do free coaching, but it just, it pours out. And that's how my coaching started actually, was people would come up to me in my corporate job and we'd, I'd start coaching them and I didn't realize what I was doing until they started to pay me. And I said, oh, I like money. What, what am I doing? What is this? And I started to explore and that's how my coaching business started. Um, 
So that's really the first step of me helping people is asking them different questions. And through, through your business model now, the, the videos and the courses and the training, these are self-directed without you asking the questions one-on-one that we can get benefit from? So the one-on-one coaching obviously is interactive and that's, I'm very active in that. The um, online courses, three of them are mini courses. So they're completely self-directed with the caveat, if you need me, email me and I'm there for you. You know what I mean? Um, And then my signature course, which is the Butterfly Transformation is a self-study course with coaching interspersed into it. So you do get coaching from me throughout the course. And I'm actually in the process of developing a live version of that program, which is more of like a 12-week thing. Um, so that's coming probably 2021. Hmm. That's amazing. And what do you find from the people you work with? What are the biggest roadblocks and challenges? Do you see a common theme that keeps coming up? The biggest roadblock is mindset people's mindset. Your mindset is your foundation. It's how you view the world. It's your lens. And really it's the stories that we tell ourselves, that inner narrative, that inner self-talk. When people get that sort of empowered and turned around for themselves, everything else is game. Everything is, it's like the world opens up from that point. And then it's just technical, learning the skills and all of, all of the techniques and stuff. But it's really the mindset um, and that self-talk and that self-narrative. Yeah, we, we hear that so often. And I'm, I, I subscribe to that completely. How do you approach that when you're dealing with people? How do we wrap our, our heads around that? <laughs> so how do you wrap your head around your mindset? <laughs> um, it, it's very individualized because people are so different and they need different things. Some people need more of that accountability from me. Some people need more of a handheld approach where I'm actually modeling for them. Some people need to be challenged and asked really direct questions that challenge their thinking, their lens, their mind frame. Other people can't handle that. And so they need a softer, more indirect metaphorical approach. And so it's really individualized. And what I love about my own journey is that, because I never understood why did I go into clinical social worker, uh, clinical social work to now be in corporate America, because I still have my full-time job, you know, while I'm building my business while doing uh, like it, it all comes together and makes sense because everything works together for a purpose in my humble opinion. And so the clinical skills that I learned in clinical social work, those therapeutic skills, those clinical skills, the cognitive behavioral stuff, all of that comes to play in my work with people one-on-one because I've got so much in my toolbox that I can use for each person depending on what they need. And they tell me what they need non-verbally and verbally. You know, sometimes people don't know what they don't know. And so they don't even know what they're asking for, but I can pick up on it based on the language they use, based on what they don't say, based on the subtext, based on their um, body language. You know, it's over Zoom now, but I can still see the body language, facial expressions, um, energy, all of that comes into play. There was a, tell me about a time where fear, because that's what my brand is, founded upon hiding behind all this fear. Share a story with us when fear overtook you and you know you could have cowered in the corner, uh, but you deliberately worked through what you needed to work through. So I'm going to answer, but I want to challenge you. Is your brand really fear or is it the conquering of fear? I like where this is going. Tell or me is more. it really courage? Is, that, is courage really your brand? 
So I'll just, I'll just leave the question there on the table. <laughs> Very um, nice. My life is about overcoming fear. You know, it would take fear. It, it would, fear tried to take me out so many times. And that was from the outside in where people would impart fear to me. And that would come from the inside out where I was bringing the fear to the table myself. And I had to learn courage. Courage is not something that is automatic. And courage does not mean that fear is not there standing right next to you. It's more about not befriending fear, but acknowledging fear and saying, all right, well, you're going to come with me because we're doing this, <laughs> right? And so, I mean, I would challenge every, every aspect of my life has really been overcoming that. One thing I would say is going to college because I was a student who I think I got B's my first semester of high school as a freshman and then C, D, F in every single class after that. Mm. <laughs> so I was really about to fail out of high school. And when I was in second period English class, that was the only senior class I had that year because everything else was remediation from junior year, sophomore math. All, I had to get all my credits. That was the only senior class I had. Um, and so going to college is a miracle. And it's a story if we want to get into it. But actually going to college was the most frightening thing I have ever done in my life because it forced me to show up intentionally. I had to make an effort and say, I'm going to do this. I'm scared. I almost don't want to because it's easier to stay comfortable in the town I live in and be like, you know, not live up to my potential. But I knew I had something great inside of me that had to come out and I had to work and I didn't want to, and I was scared that I was going to fail. And what would that mean? And I would prove everybody right that I was stupid and unworthy and, you know, didn't count in the world. And so I had to work through all of that through my college years. So I think that was the first, the first um, big overcoming fear. I appreciate how you say you, you would have proved everybody right that you are not worthy, uh, which just suggests what? That we have, we all have this, this belief, these stories that we just run over and over in our heads. And yet what evidence did I have? Because it wasn't true. People thought I was worthy. They thought I was worthy when I didn't think I was worthy, but I interpreted it because I was looking for evidence that I was not worthy. And so I would seek out situations, make really bad relationship choices, make really bad choices. You're not going to get an A in, in high school if you don't show up. If you skip school every day, you're not going to make an A. <laughs> like I would self-sabotage and then, you know, call it, I'm not worthy. Well, that's not really that's not logical, <laughs> you know? Um, and really when I look back, the messages that I was given, my mom would say, I love you. You're worthy. I don't like what you're doing. Your behavior is what I don't like. And that lesson imprinted, even though I didn't hear it for years, it, it sank in because I did not equate my behavior with who I am as a person in the long run because of that message that she gave me. But the story that I told myself, the lie that I believed from myself was that I was not worthy, that I was dumb, that I was stupid. And I then went out into the world and made choices to bring evidence to prove myself right. Yes, indeed. Been there, done that uh, my whole entire life. Um, how do we... The 
I, I always feel that because I've been able to successfully overcome that for myself, having lived that life and finally found the courage and the enough reason to make the choice to do what it takes to overcome that, right? It's a battle of the, the mind and the thoughts and the beliefs versus what we really know in our heart and soul to be the case, to be true, and going forth with that assumption instead of what's going on here. I always feel that people logically know this uh, but they might run away from it because they're like, well, nope, not ready for it, and tune it out and say, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Well, and that's fear, and that's emotion. A lot of our decisions in life are not logic-based. <laughs> you know, we know eat healthy, exercise, you'll lose weight. We don't do it, <laughs> you know? We know save money, invest, you know, more money will come. We often don't do it. Impulse decisions come every day. My birthday was a great excuse <laughs> to spend money. I, now I was much more responsible this year because I was intentional, but our decisions are more emotional than they are logical. And so, you know, when we are in that journey and in that process, what I find is that if you show up and you pay attention and you make even the slightest effort to overcome fear, to be courageous, even to acknowledge the desire to want to be more or to be truthful, what happens is that, that it's almost like an antenna that energy goes out and people, opportunities, situations, circumstances will show up to give you the place to practice, to fail forward, to be celebrated, to be introduced to people that will you know, comfort you and walk with you in the journey and celebrate you and encourage you and teach you and all the things but you have to show up and you have to pay attention to all of those things that are coming to your life. Your life is always changing and moving. And I always say you're heading towards a destination. You're going to get there. How fast you get there is up to you. Yes, yes. Fully, uh, fully embrace all that. Uh, because prior to this iteration of myself, um, I, I logically knew, like, no, I'm going to be successful, and I want this. I, you know, I declared I want this success, but my actions, and certainly up here, did not coincide with that want. But I got to say, I want it. Why aren't I achieving it? It's tough. Yeah, and it's interesting you use the word iteration because I, so the Butterfly Transformation is my signature course. It's sort of the framework that I work from is that we all are who we are. That doesn't change. But in one season, we're a caterpillar. In another season, we are, and I can't remember the name right now off the top of my head, but we're in that cocoon. And then in the last phase, we're the butterfly, right? And then we pass on and we go into mm. another iteration, but you're always the same person. So you were always you, even when you were in that fearful state, even when you were hiding, even when you were thinking you were hiding, because when we think we're hiding, people see us. The truth of who you are seeps out. People would always say to me, oh, you have so much potential. And I would say, how do you see that? I'm not showing you that. I'm demonstrating the opposite evidence of that. But yet the truth of who you are will always be seen by someone. 
Hmm. Yeah, and I'm so glad you picked up on that because I did use the word uh, deliberately. Um, I, I I refrained from saying um, the person that I've become or I changed into this. No, because it's it's always there. It's just removing these layers that were deliberately implanted and imposed by me into me to show up comfortably not yep. successfully necessarily, but comfortably, so I can continue to say, you see, I told you, I'm this kind of person, or I can never do that. You see, it's the evidence. But you were successful at that, even in that iteration. So you were just successful in a different way, right? <laughs> wow, I like and that. And also, you know, I think life is really a journey of revelation, revealing ourselves to ourselves. And it's so fascinating when we can embrace that journey and not be afraid of what we'll find. There were so many years I was afraid of what I would find inside because I didn't understand what or who I am. And so I didn't, and I didn't know what I would do with it either. And everybody would have all of these expectations if I actually told the truth and could I live up to them. And so it's so fascinating that as we walk our journey of revelation to ourselves, you know, it's so interesting that when we, when we actually say things out loud, the power of it is taken away. You know, I, I told you, I, I felt like I was stupid and dumb and unworthy for years, until two years after I graduated from Columbia University with a 3.75 grade point average. That's fancy. Which means you're not stupid, right? <laughs> you can't be stupid and graduate with that high of a GPA for, to graduate period from an Ivy League or any college. Let's just be real. Sure. And it wasn't until I said it out loud, I am not smart. And the person who heard me say that said, you just graduated from Columbia. What do you mean you're not smart? That doesn't make any sense. And hearing it out loud took the power of that negative belief away because I heard it back and I was like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But in your head, it makes complete sense because you rationalize it, right? Yeah, so we like will do everything to, to justify that belief. Like in, in spite of other logical proofs. No, those don't matter. You graduated, period. You graduated Columbia? What? But no, we will defend till the end our beliefs, which, which are so possible to change. Yes. We've, yes. we've given ourselves these. We are in control, whatever that means, we, right? <laughs> I think it means we as a human being, because we all are the same species, you know, we're not dogs, dogs can't change their destiny all the time, but we, ha we are empowered with the one thing that can change everything and we can implement it every day. And that thing is choice. Every moment we have a choice. I don't care what situation it is. I don't care what's going on. I don't care how you feel. You can always choose. And that led me to the power of gratitude because in every moment I can choose to look for what I'm grateful for. And that changed my life as well as an adult. Every opportunity in life comes from a choice. You have every opportunity, every moment of your life, as long as you are breathing to choose, whether it's choosing your attitude choosing to believe what you're thinking, choosing not to believe what you're thinking. I mean, you could break it down to every little choice, but the, the empowerment comes from choice. 
Couldn't agree more. Uh, this is right out of my own playbook. I absolutely love it. Um, before we wrap up, I just want to hear the, uh, I know the book you're working on, which is really cool. Can't wait to see that literally become a bestseller in the Yay. upcoming months. The title is called The Pebble in My Shoe. Yeah. So the, um, the colon after that hasn't been yet sort of determined, but The Pebble in My Shoe and you know where that, that title comes from? I'm asking metaphorically because you don't know, or rhetorically, because <laughs> you don't know where it came from. But I'm going to tell you where it came from. It came from January 2nd, 1992. So how does it tie in? Yeah. It ties in because I told you I had to process that day through college, right? I had a, another English class. English was clearly my thing. And it was a creative writing sort of t spin on, um, on English class. And my teacher was an author. And he made us write this essay. And the only story that I could use for me was the story of January 2nd, 1992. But it never came out right. I wasn't telling it right. I couldn't understand the anger, the rage, all of the things. The final iteration of that story that I finally put pen to paper senior year of college was titled The Pebble in My Shoe. And so that is the name of the book because that experience is the core of my message to the world, which is that paying attention can literally save a life, not just someone else's life, but also your own. And the idea, as we know that phrase to be, it's mean that, yeah, while something is just mildly annoying, it could eventually lead to bigger issues. Yeah, I think everything plays a purpose. So when I think of, so the, the original metaphor was like the runner. So if you're running a marathon and you have a pebble and not that I'm a runner, but I have, I used to run, I used to jog. And if you would get a pebble in your shoe and it would hurt so bad and it's a small little stone, right? It's nothing big. It's not this big boulder of a rock. And as you're running, as you're walking, the pebble shifts. And so then you don't feel it anymore. And so you think, oh, thank goodness the pebble left the shoe. It went away. And then the next turn, the next step, here it comes searing pain because that pebble hit a nerve or hit a specific part of your foot. And that is really what the process of grief is like. And really life is about grief because we're always in the grieving process. Whole nother podcast episode. <laughs> um, but that is what my journey with this January 2nd 1992 day experience has been it's the pebble in my shoe that goes away for years i don't think about it and then it comes back with searing pain for a season and then it goes away and it shifts and so it's really it's been the pebble in my shoe since january 2nd 1992 we don't have to go down this path i'm just curious now what are we always in the process of grieving <laughs> um I'm trying to think of how to say this where we don't get into like a whole nother hour. So you're, so as a child, when you learn something new and you learn, when you learn Santa Claus is not real, when you learn that mommy and daddy are not perfect, when you learn that there's pain in the world, you're grieving the loss of innocence, right? And so it sort of starts with you're, you're always losing something as you walk through your journey of life, whether it is an idea, whether it's a perception, whether it is a part of yourself whether it is an experience of loss, whether that is trauma, whether that is death, whether that is a breakup, whatever it is, we are always grieving something. And if we ask ourselves, what am I grieving? That's not true, Michelle, you're full of crap. Think about it, ask yourself, 
am I grieving something? Did I lose something? Am I angry? Am I sad? Am I frustrated? Am I numb? Am I searching? You know, all of those are parts of the grief process. Um, so mm-hmm. we're in our journey of life, we're always grieving it is another wow. concept. <laughs> yeah, it's really, I've never heard that, but I feel it right now. I get it. I'm like, yeah. I could list out probably six things right now that if yeah, it's like, yes, 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 exactly. Wow. That's, that's powerful. And that, and that is powerful. It's not sad or depressing, right? Leave us with this, right? Cause some might feel like, oh, well, I don't want to grieve my whole life, but there's a power to that. Well, so one thing I've learned is that there is power in truth, acknowledgement, and taking the judgment away. So when we're learning about ourselves, when we're in that revelation process, as we're grieving and asking new questions and learning who we are in truth, it's information. It's not judgment. It's not emotion. It's information. And what we choose to do with that information is what matters. And that's where the empowerment comes from. Oh, perfect. Beautiful. I love it. Perfect way to end. Uh, wow. Um, I will leave you then with this final question I ask of all my guests, Michelle P. How would you like to be remembered? Such a great question. And I'm trying to be very succinct with it. I would like to be remembered as someone who was kind. Great. Absolutely perfect. Just like you, just like me, just like everybody in the world, right? Quite literally. Well, this has been a lot to absorb. Uh, I want to thank you for tuning in and uh, Michelle for for joining us. I knew that this was going to be another great uh, moment between us. Uh, Thank you for that. And I look forward to the next. It has been such an honor. And I just really, my, my hope and my prayer is always that at least one person got something of value from what I said. So I appreciate the opportunity. I love, love talking with you and I appreciate every chance I get to chat with you because you are an amazing human and I love all that you're doing. I love your message, everything you're putting out into the world. I'm just, it's just such an honor to be here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate all of that. Thank you. And thank you everybody for tuning in and spending your time. I know it's your most valuable resource, the commodity we cannot get back no matter how hard we tried. So thank you for tuning in and spending it here. We're going to do another episode not too far beyond behind. Uh, Until we do, thank you for tuning in. And as always, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.